Well, it'll be great if you could have that Bible reading open from Mark chapter 12 uh, on a Bible or a Bible device as we continue in our series in Priorities of Jesus, looking to see how we can shape our priorities for the year to be in line with Jesus' priorities for our lives. So as we get into it, let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for this day, and thank you so much for the opportunity that we do to sit under your word, to learn from it, to learn about you from it, and to be transformed by it. So we pray that your spirit be at work in our lives, transforming us to be like you, to have the same love as you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, if you are a parent or have been around kids for some time, I'm sure that you've experienced the following situation. Uh, If you haven't yet, hate to break it to you, but you are probably this child. Uh, You've spent a long, hard day at work providing for the family, or you've spent a long, hard day at home entertaining this kid, playing with them, uh, reading to them. But then it comes towards the end of the day, it comes to dinner time, And so you ask them to do one simple task. Little Johnny, can you please take this toy and put it back into your room where it goes? All of a sudden, pandemonium. There are confused looks as to why you would ask them to do such a task. Uh, There may be tears, there may be shouts, there may come a little very stern face with a little furrowed brow, which is very cute, but you know that you can't smile because that would give them the upper hand. But then you try and motivate them differently. Maybe there'll be no dessert tonight, no books tonight, or maybe even no more bluey for the rest of the week. All of a sudden, they jump into action and go and do the task, but they make it so abundantly clear that they don't want to do it. Feet are stamped, toys are thrown, doors may be slammed. Now, the task gets done, uh, the command gets followed, but it leaves a bit of a sour note, doesn't it? Uh, You love this child, and so you want them to obey you, not out of fear of you, but out of love for you. Well, in this world, there is a great misconception that God is like this, that God is just like a big cosmic spoil sport who has given us a set of rules, and that Christianity is all about following these rules in sheer and blind obedience, and then if we don't, we're going to be smited by the almighty smiter. Fear, legalism, obey, or else. But just like the loving friend of a child, God doesn't want us to just follow rules. Yes, he wants us to obey him and follow his commands, but not out of fear of him, but out of love for him, because he loves us so much. So as we shape our priorities for the new year, what does God command? Well, to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, We're parachuting into Mark chapter 12, and the context of this passage is that Jesus has just been grilled by the religious leaders. Uh, They sent people down to Jerusalem to Jesus to try and trick him up in his speech so that they could have him arrested, or even better, uh, the death penalty. Uh, They're quite cunning in how they go about this. 
Uh, but Jesus is even wiser in his answers. Uh, he is blameless. He is wiser than anybody who has ever lived. He is innocent. And in the midst of this, a teacher of the law, or a scribe, as some translations have it, now overhears this conversation. He notices Jesus and is curious about Jesus. Not hostile like the other teachers, but curious. He notices Jesus' wisdom and asks him what is quite a big question. At 12.28, look with me. Uh, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, in the whole of the Old Testament, there are about 613 commandments, and a lot of them are weird and wonderful. Now, I find it hard enough to remember five things when I'm going shopping at Woolies, let alone 613 rules to follow. So there are often debates among the rabbis and the teachers of the day about which of these are the most important, or how do you sum up the whole of the law and the prophets? So that's why this teacher asks Jesus this question. And so Jesus commands two commandments that really sum up the whole of the Ten Commandments. So look with me from verse 29. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So this first one is a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 5. It starts off with a statement of fact. The fact is, is that Yahweh is our God and that Yahweh is one. Uh, this statement is called the Shema. And it still holds to this day a very special place in the Jewish religion. Uh, they recite it before meals. Uh, certain people have kept it in a tiny little scroll in a box which is kept on their forehead. And some people keep it on their doorposts. Uh, but this statement is so important. It says that there are no other gods. And so that there are no other beings or deities that are worthy of our worship and love. Uh, in the Greco-Roman world of the first century, of the pagan society, uh, this claim that there was only one God was completely far out. The culture believed in many different gods for their many different households and many different activities. The Jews and the early Christians were seen as very strange for just believing in one God. But similarly, in our culture today, the claim that there is only one God and especially the claim that there's only one way to him, all can be seen as insensitive or intolerant of other religions. But this is where Jesus starts out, because it is foundational for all the commandments to follow. Because if there were other gods or other deities that we could follow, why choose Yahweh? Why would we obey him? Uh, there could be other gods out there which have easier commandments to follow. Uh, we could take an online test with 10 questions to find out which God fits our personality today. But that isn't the case. 
our God is the one and only God, so then we ought to pay attention and obey him simply because he is God and we are not, but also because he's loved us with an everlasting love. So on the basis that there is only one God, what are we commanded to do? Well, verse 29 again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is, to love him with everything that we have and all that we are. Love him with our emotions, with our very beings, in our thoughts, in our actions, everything. In fact, there is nothing that we aren't to love God with. There's no upper limits as to how much we should love God. So therefore, in loving him, we ought to lay down everything for him. To serve him, to obey him, and to put his will above our will. And this also means that we are to love him even when we don't particularly feel like loving him. In 2022, if there haven't been these times yet, there will be time when we really don't feel like loving God. There will be times when we have to make a conscious decision to lay down our lives and our wills to follow him. There will be times when social media or the TV looks so much more appealing than reading his word. There will be times when we really feel like living in our own comfort rather than obeying his commands to follow him. There will be time when sin looks just so appealing and we feel like pursuing it rather than fleeing from it as he wants us to. But our love and obedience isn't dependent on how we feel towards him. Yes, of course, there will be feelings and emotions and affections towards him, as they should be. But our feelings can also lead us astray, be deceptive. And so he said he calls us to love him with all that we are and not just have an emotional favor towards him. It's to love and serve him with our talents, with our resources, with our times. It's a love which should actually make a difference in our lives because it's not just a mental or emotional hat tip towards God or a footnote in our lives. It should be a central reality that's concrete and physical because he is God and he commands us to, but also because he has loved us with a real, concrete, physical love. A love which caused him to become a real human. To die a real physical death. To really rise for us. So just as his love is so real towards us, our love should, ought to be just as real towards him. And then the flip side of this also means rejecting love of the world. That is to reject loving and living for everything which takes our eyes off of him. 
And that's rejecting living and loving the darkness, uh, leaving behind serving money or denying loving careers and self-promotion. Uh, because we can't both mix the love of the world and the love of God. Uh, if you try and put oil and water into a jar and shake it up, they'll be together for like a millisecond, but then they'll separate. They don't mix. Similarly, love for God and love for the world can't coexist. And so Jesus says that the first and foremost commandment is to love God with everything. The implication of this then is that it would overflow into loving our neighbour. Verse 31, look with me. Uh, The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Uh, Again, this is a quote from the Old Testament. You can look it up in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Uh, I remember being in school in the classroom and we were discussing different religions in class and the teacher made this grand sweeping statement that a lot of people like to make uh, is that all religions are basically the same. Uh, you know, Do unto others as they would do unto you, uh, often called the golden rule. Uh, it sounds a bit nice, doesn't it? A bit quaint. But the love that Jesus calls us to isn't just a nice love, But it's a real gritty type of love. It's not an additional extra. It's a central command and expectation. And the extent to which we are to love others is the amount to which we love ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that generally loving myself comes quite easily. It's quite easy to value my needs above others, my own comfort above others my own wants and my own stuff about others. But now Jesus turns this on its head. The extent to which I put myself first and love myself is to which I need to go and love others. And then who is our neighbour? Well, it's anyone and everyone that we come across. Our love for others is to have no limits, no boundaries, just like his love for us. And once again, just like before, this doesn't depend on how we feel towards others. Uh, We're called to love those, even those who we may not find particularly easy to love. Called to look out for and be concerned with the needs of others. It's a life of self-sacrifice, a life of self-denial, a life of, just as we saw last week, of taking up the cross and following Jesus. Because our love for others is to reflect an overflow from God's love to us. So it's simple then, isn't it? Love God. Love your neighbour. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is the litmus test for our relationship with God and our faith. How are we going with our love for God and our love for others? Because if we claim to be followers of Jesus, if we claim to take on the name of Christ as a Christian and don't live lives of love, we've completely missed the mark. 
Not that we can ever reach a sinless perfectionism, but our lives and our love should be a reflection of God's love for us. Uh, 1 John 2.4 says that whoever says, I know him, but does not do what his, he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in this person. And in all honesty, this makes my stomach drop. This is hard to hear. Because I know that my love is so faulty. But the standard that is set out for us is so high. So what is there to do? Well, we could do a couple of things in the face of this predicament. Uh, We could just try really hard to be better. Uh, We could even set up more commands around these commands in order to keep us from breaking them. Uh, We could become what's called legalists. But we aren't called to legal perfectionism, but we're called to love. Or we could do the flip side. We could swing the other way from legalism and we could just say, well, all our sins are covered by God's grace anyway, so let's not bother trying to obey the commands. Let's just chuck them out. We could become lazy. Well, that would be extremely hypocritical of us, wouldn't it? So if we aren't called to be legalists or to be people who are lazy, what are we called to be? We're called to be faithful. Uh, We could recognize both our sinfulness and the grace of God. Repent of our sins and recommit to living a life of love. Recognizing that we won't be perfect, but that God's grace and forgiveness is sufficient. And this is at the heart of the commandments and all of God's law that we should have faith in him, that we should throw ourselves on his grace and mercy, that we should learn more about his love and then throw that love onto others. Look with me from verse 32. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and there is none other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. To love is better than sacrifice. To love is better than being legalists. To love is better than striving, struggling, and then ultimately failing for an unattainable perfectionism. To love is better than all rituals or religiosity. And this has been the same for God's people throughout the whole Bible. To love and have faith in God and to obey is better than crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's of a list of rules. Saul learnt about this when Samuel told him in 1 Samuel 15, 22, that to obey is better than sacrifice. David sung about this in his psalm of repentance in Psalm 51. He says that you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. 
See, at the heart of these commands is the fact that God doesn't want us to just be rule-following robots. Nor does he want us to be like that toddler begrudgingly obeying their parents. But he wants us. Our whole selves to love him. To return to him. To trust in him. To cast ourselves on him. And as we repent and recommit to following him, we won't just be near the kingdom of God like our friend. We get to be part of the everlasting kingdom of God. So then as we think about and pray about the year ahead and shaping our priorities, how is our love at the moment? Is God our number one love? Uh, There are so many good things that may distract us. So many good things that we may be tempted to put first. But God demands, commands, and deserves priority number one in our lives. Because He is our loving Heavenly Father, friends. He's beckoning us to come to Him, to obey Him, to love him. And then this love ought to overflow into love for others. This love which is to reflect God's love for us, which came for us in Jesus, found its culmination on the cross for us, making it possible for us to come to him, to be loved by him, and then to love him for all eternity. So let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Gracious Lord, we thank you so much for your phenomenal, unending love for us. And so we pray that as we think about the year ahead, that you help us to love you and love others. Gracious Lord, keep us from legalism. Keep us from struggling and striving and failing for perfectionism. But Lord, help us to remember that your grace is sufficient for us and that we can have faith in you and trust in you. Lord, please show us where we need to love you more, where we need to forsake loving the world. And Lord, show us where we can practically love our neighbours, that our lives might be a testimony and a display of your love for us. As we pray all of this in your name. Amen.